Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change, the podcast that will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. Well, today on Effective Heart Change, we're continuing the series of spiritual foundations step-by-step. We grow these things, and there are things that are kind of invisible, almost hidden. Now that we're basically at the middle step halfway through, any any thoughts, Dale? Well, you, you said they're almost hidden. Uh, the reality of it is we think of ourselves as, as physical more than spiritual, if we do think spiritual at all. Or, or intellectual. Yeah, or intellectual. But the reality is that the spiritual part is uh, the most important part because it is our connection with creation. With, with God. I also believe the people who talk about the mind and the mind's the center and we need to change our thoughts, and that's all true. I'm not taking that away. But I do believe our tendency is to think inside of our spiritual man. So when I'm in bitterness, I'm going to tend to think thoughts inside of that bitter box. When I actually get forgiveness and I walk to the to the altar, and I pray, and I get up, and everything's new, and I'm thinking differently. Did I work at changing my thoughts, or did they just change? Because I tend to think inside of a spiritual dynamic. I tend to feel inside of a spiritual dynamic. That spirit realm is invisible. We don't manipulate it, but it's it's there, and it's continually at work underneath. Well, I'm not too sure that we don't manipulate it, because I think we do manipulate it, and not in a good way most times. Well, I, I actually agree <laughs> with that. But when I use the word manipulate, I'm talking conscious realm. Okay. A lot of times, I mean, we work at our thoughts. I mean, at a conscious level, I'm like, okay, I can't think that thought. I, I can't say those words. That's what I'm talking about in terms of manipulating. Whereas at the spiritual level, more of it just kind of happens even in a way that we're not even aware of it. So today we're talking focus. What's the, what's the focus on focus? If I could, what key words that I use in there are delayed gratification. Uh, that's, that's huge because at the ages five, seven, eight, different ages for different kids, but somewhere in there, kids begin to start what's called abstract thinking. Now, before that, it's mostly concrete thinking, and that means that I'm pretty much reacting to what's in front of me. I'm thinking about, talking about, and of course, you know, with little kids, you get the idea of, okay, instead of disciplining them, just just move the object so that they don't keep going for the object. Now, that works better with some kids than others. They're able to remember and focus, but somewhere in there, I'm no longer a concrete thinker. I begin to be more of an abstract thinker where I start pulling things, things that aren't in my universe, things that aren't in my space. I start pulling them in and they become the center of my thought world. When that happens, there's a significant change in our, at least our ability. We might stay more in a concrete world. Kids grow at different levels, but there's at least a significant change in our ability to respond to life. Kind of like uh, we reach a stage in life that uh, it's been me too, or me, 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 and and now there's me and maybe somebody else, maybe something else. 
And the next three layers especially really capture this of, oh, wow, we've got, we've got this child who's beginning to come into this different place. Now, one of the most powerful tools that anyone will ever develop spiritually is focus. I believe that one of the best definitions of worship is intense focus. So if I have intense focus on my wife to the point to where she's the total center of my universe, I think it would be appropriate to say that we, I am worshiping my wife at a level that is not healthy. And when I counsel with couples and I work with couples, especially if I've got a husband and a wife and their entire universe is themselves, they have no outside relationship. When I put that level of intense focus on another person, it tends to destroy the relationship. Now, opposite is also true. Sometimes there's no focus and there's, <laughs> there's no caring. And so, I mean, there's a healthy range. Yeah. But God, when he said in the, in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, really what the command is, are you able to focus on me? Are you able to hear my voice? And then are you able to order your life according to that focus? Well, we're there. We're at that step. And if I'm able in my abstract thinking to put all of these other things in life, I push them away, I push them aside, I get my focus on God, I connect with God, I commune with God, I hear from Him, I'm being influenced by Him. And then, of course, you do bring in the mind piece. I get into the Word of God, I study the Word of God, I bring all of these things together. Now I'm worshiping God. Now I'm developing a healthy foundation and I can live from that healthy foundation. I can live a healthy life. So this is an important development. This is it's, a, it's huge. a huge stage of development, and I would dare say that in America, we haven't done a very good job. We really haven't, because you've got, if you go back to the early stages, if I don't have safe, what, there's an anxiety that develops at that point, and people who are anxiety people, uh, ADHD, can we say, people who struggle with fear base and anxiety what is their ability to focus? And it's almost zero. And a lot of times people will talk about that and they talk about, well, I can't memorize, I can't focus, I can't zero in on something. But what's interesting, these are developmental layers. If I don't have safe laid down, I'm going to struggle. If I don't have belonging laid down, I'm going to struggle because I'm, I'm hyperactive about my purpose. I'm hyperactive about my place and my worth. Well, what are the odds that that person's actually going to be able to settle in, really focus, really worship? And here's what's incredible. You don't have anything until you receive it. The vehicle, you know, I talk about trust being important. That's the third step. But the vehicle by which I really start receiving from God is that intense focus, that worship, if I can learn to worship and that becomes a normal part of my being, the amount that I drink in from God is radically different than if I go to church and sing a few songs. I'm, I'm struck with the idea that uh, uh, in America today, we're very immature because we don't have focus on the spiritual, on, on God. We're focused on what's best for me, what's what's going to get me ahead in the race, and all of those things. So, so this is an early development that may happen to a point, but does it carry over? And that language that you just used ties in directly because 
focus. If I'm going to focus, I've got to be able to do delayed gratification. If I'm totally caught up in me, if I'm caught up in a consumer mindset and caught up in my own pleasure, which again, we do more and more every, every year, it seems like it becomes, we become more child-centered, more, oh no, the child can't cry. The child can't have any pain. It, it really becomes that to where everything's got to be positive and exciting and entertaining, et cetera. How is that ever going to build delayed gratification? How is that ever going to build our ability to focus? Well, we've done some introductory stuff. It's, it's amazing how quickly time goes by, but we're going to take a break, give you a chance to process some of these things, and then we'll continue. In the last segment, I threw out this word delayed gratification. And I mean, it's, it's great to have words like that, but let's, let's get it down to a really simple word that really resonates, or should I say, uh, is fingernails on the chalkboard. And are you ready for the four-letter word that almost everybody hates in our culture? It is W-A-I-T, wait. Yeah. I don't have time to wait. I don't have time to. I hear that every day, every single day. And, and uh, uh, so what's so big about waiting? What's so big about waiting is, let's go back to the word faith. If you think about you know, hope, actually, I, let me use hope before I use faith. I mean, the scripture says this in clear terms. If you already have what you hope for, it's not hope. Same thing is true of faith. If I already have what I faith for, I, that doesn't quite work the same way, but I'm believing for, if I already have it, there's no need to exercise faith. So in this realm, with the word focus, what happens? We understand that I've got to be able to get outside of my concrete thinking the here and the now, and I've got to be able to see something bigger out there. Now, I believe in this concept that is all things work by spiritual authority, which means that I'm going to have to lay down line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm going to have to walk this thing through. As a culture, we want instant gratification. I want it, and I want it now, and I want it my way, and all of the different language that we use— well, as long as we're there, we're not building in the steps. We're trying to skip steps that are reality steps and get an outcome as without putting in the work. When that's what we're doing, we are not living in reality. And we have a culture that's reinforced that between video and commercials and commercialism and all the different stuff. Everything is reinforced that you can have it and you can have it now. And put it on credit and all of the different stuff that, that's out there, we reinforce this idea of you don't need to wait. You can have it right now, and you can shortcut the steps. There is no spiritual authority. There is no foundational step. You just get it and get it now. Well, uh, that's helpful that you talk about immediate gratification and then uh, as opposed to delay. I worked for an athletic director in Idaho. Uh, I've said many times that I think he's the wisest and the smartest man I've ever met. And, and uh, he had a saying that 
<laughs> that uh, if you start down a road, you're going to get to where you're going if you don't turn around or don't change direction. And and that sounds pretty. He was backwoods guy, kind of even even in in appearance. But I came to understand that as deep wisdom because we can we can we can desire and put all of our eggs in the basket of immediate gratification. But going forward, you're going to come up short, and and so that that playing off of each other, I think, is important. What's interesting, I, your example actually calls to mind a, a movie that I watched about a cross country coach who. Most cross-country coaches, you run far, you run hard, you, you do whatever. And he started the team slower. And uh, some of the athletes were just like losing it, but he was working on particular muscles and particular muscle memory and steps and et cetera. Plus, he also had a plan of hopefully getting them to a physical peak in time for the state meet. Versus a lot of times with athletes, there's a level of burnout that occurs. And so if you don't get the rest at the right times, et cetera, well, the long and the short of it ended up winning, you know, mm -hmm. and it actually was based on a true story. The steps that they had to go through seemed counterintuitive. It's like the, the people, the athletes themselves were fighting against it. They didn't have faith. They couldn't look forward. They couldn't see so some of them were fighting against it. It's like, well, I'll go out and run on the side. You know, I'll go out and do this because this coach doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not doing it the right way. They could not see his approach. In the end, his approach worked and they won a state championship because of that. And he actually created some quality runners because of it. But so often, what do we do? We're like that. I want to run the fastest time that I can run today. I want to get the best results that I can get today. And over the bigger picture, it doesn't work. Step by step. There you go again. You, you're, you, you use that, that uh, expression and uh, you're faithful in, in the presentation that, that that's what we're doing. Is it, it is a step-by-step -step process. It's a building process. And, and uh, whenever we miss uh, a, a section that's important, it's gonna, there's going to be an after effect down the road somewhere. And so you're not going to do, do them all in order. You're not going to do them all well. But it, the importance is that you catch them and, and that you develop it in an in a orderly sort of way and with a, with a direction in mind. Uh, and without God's guidance, uh, we fail on that, on that standard. And if I don't understand that, and I don't develop this, I'm going, going to call it a faith covering. If I don't have that overarching sense, and that one really jumps back two layers to where I'm covered, and I've got a father, I've got parents who are providing for my needs, and so I'm not continually worried about, okay, can I get to the next step? And Am I going to be hungry tonight, and et cetera? If I've got that covering in place, and I have parents who have made promises and kept promises, I mean, that's so critical. Then when it's time to focus, I don't have the safety missing. I don't have the self-worth missing. I don't have the promises made, promises kept missing. My ability now to 
focus is like a hundred times what it would be if any of those steps are missing. Now I'm able to just live in the moment and settle in and get my eyes and back to the coach. I'm able, okay, I'll trust, back to the covered step, I'll trust that he knows what he's doing, so I will do them faithfully. I will walk it through. Slower is faster. Uh, You actually had the comment in class today that the best way to... Start is to stop. Yeah. Best way to start is to stop. There are times when if you don't slow down and do it the right way, if you don't stop, if you don't wait, the best way to start is to stop and to wait. Get focused on God. Get your spirit to a quiet place. Get to that place where I'm able to look at God. Get to a place where I'm able to get directions and walk this thing out step by step. These are all kinds of things that destroy our ability to focus. If we don't focus, we don't worship. If we don't worship, we don't drink in what we need. Again, all of this is so interactive. We don't understand this. And I dare say, let's carry it over to worship in modern America. Worship in modern America is a, an activity that we do. Here and now. Yeah, it's, it's, we go through the activity, and so many people, it's not a quieting, a narrowing of my focus, being able to see God, being able to declare who God is, his majesty, his glory. We don't slow down at that level. We don't get quiet at that level, so then we don't receive. These are incredible principles that if we can get this, and if, we, if, if you're able to walk into a worship service or you're able to open your Bibles and read and say, and you're able to focus, your ability to receive is like a hundred times what you will receive if you can't do focus. It's an incredible step. Hope that you're getting some tools to grow in it. We're going to share a few thoughts, questions, and then we'll be back. Doc Green also told a story uh, regularly that uh, growing up, he was, I don't know what the connection was, I think it was his mother told him this, that when she was a little girl uh, and she was three or four, she says, I'll be, I'll be happy when, when I can go to school. And then uh, when she was eight or nine, it was, I'll be happy when, and and it was a continual process until uh, at at uh, the age of thirty or twenty five. I'll be happy when I, I I'm married, and and then it's I'll be happy, and and it was always I'll be happy when. And the reality was she never was happy in her life because it was always projected out there, which it sounds opposite of what we're talking about, but it's really that that idea. If you don't pay attention to here and now, and there's a song out right now, country song that's called Here and Now, uh, if you don't pay attention to here and now, uh, you never will really grow, really ne- never will really reach your potential. You know, that's an amazing point. And you would think that that doesn't tie in with the idea of focus. 
but it is very important to what are you focusing on? And a lot of times what we're focusing on is an unreality that goes back to immediate gratification. She wanted immediate gratification when when she was young, what happened? She wanted to be in school. All the big kids are in school. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I've got grandkids who are in that zone, and the youngest ones are just like, "Oh, I, oh, want, I love school." Yes, <laughs> I want to be in school, and you know, the older kids are in school, so I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And and my daughter's kids, she's got four, and and the younger ones are just like, I mean, they're just chomping at the bit to get to that next place. Part of the power of focus is living at the right place, right here, right now, in the moment. I mean, it's interesting because I've talked about it as if, you know, hey, the, the ability to do abstract thinking and et cetera. So I can be someplace that I'm not actually there. And that's part of what focus is. Yes, it is. But I've got to be able to focus on the right stuff in the here and now and not in that wishful thinking that is jumping the spiritual authority steps, hoping that something will happen without me being able to focus step by step on what needs to happen all, all along the way. We talked earlier about being obsessed with things, and, and uh, I think in America we're obsessed with the past and, and woe is me, had a lousy, or it was great, I wish it was like that again, or we're obsessed about what's going to happen to the positive for the most part, but it can be negative too. But today, uh, we don't have a very good focus on that. And, and I think that speaks to, to what you're talking about is there's a, there's a good and bad focus, okay? You agree with that? So uh, we choose every day. But if we're living in the past uh, and, or we've projected to the future and that's where our happiness lies, we ain't ever going to be happy. I live in a world, believe it or not, working with addicts and alcoholics, where chaos and calamity is a normal event. And so if I focus in on exactly what's happening at the moment, most of the time, I'm no good to them. So invariably, I'm stepping back and I'm simply asking, what is God saying? What is God doing? Much of the time, the answer is, I don't know. I don't have a clue. I don't know where to go. Don't know how to handle this. So I'm in the process at that point. I, I maintain a discipline of, all right, God is greater than all of this. He has an answer. I don't have the answer yet. What am I doing? I'm slowing that whole process down. I'm shifting my focus from the calamity of the moment, from the thing that we could accelerate into a a crazy place. I slow all of that down and I simply begin to ask, God, where are you? What are you doing? How can we take this thing that was meant for evil? This is a good scriptural concept. How do we take this thing that was meant for evil and turn it to a good place? God, you're a redeeming God. God, you're a restoring God. Somehow, some way, this thing can be redeemed. It can be restored, but I have to what? Shift focus. I can't just stare down the problem. I can't stare down the situation. If I stay focused there, I'm no good to the people I'm trying to work with. So in a practical sense, what you're offering is uh, the, the uh, ability to step back and you focus in bringing that to the person that you're 
you're dealing with in, in conversation and in practice so they can learn to focus too. They can learn to put the past behind and the future out there and let it go and, and be in the moment now and actually look and, and, and stop to start in a, in a positive direction. Let me throw one more step in. My belief system is the most powerful thing I can do for you in that moment of crisis is to be the peace of God. So I actually throw in another focus in there, which is, okay, David, where's your spirit? What's happening in you? Take a deep breath. You're not the answer. You're not the source. God is. Are you staying in a place of peace? Are you able to get quiet? Are you able to listen? So a lot of times I step out of that focus and everything that's going on to just step back, get my eyes on God. Lord, am I hearing you? Am I responding to you? Then I can listen, wait, connect. Then from there, then I can come back to the situation and bring life to that situation. You're a guide. You're, you, you point the way. Uh, you don't, it isn't a, I've got all the answers. It is, I know the one who has the answer. And I want to point you in that direction. And the biggest answer that I have learned is to not have the answer. I don't know is so powerful. I don't know is incredibly powerful. If I accept that about me, if I accept that about the situation, then I'm able to shift my focus. As long as I believe that I know, as long as I believe I have an answer, I'm going to jump in. I am not going to slow it down. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to listen. And then it's all me. And when it's all me, I don't get very good results. Well, the success depends on you being right. And, and for that person, it may or may not be, or if they don't even see it, uh, it's not going to happen. People are incredibly complex. If I'm trying to figure out with my brain what needs to happen, we're all in trouble. So I slow that down. I wait. I, I, by focusing on God. Zeroing in on him. That's the vehicle by which I drink in life. Then I'm able to actually bring something that's helpful to the people. Amen. I know I'm enjoying this. We're going to take a break and process some of this, the ideas that we've been talking about, and then we'll be back. And we're here for our final segment on focus. Man, these things go fast, don't they? Well, as long as we focus. <laughs> as long as we focus. Okay. You, you have to be the humor guy, right? Because I've got none. <laughs> so at any rate, I want to actually just take a sentence out of uh, some materials that I've written here. A child can be told no all day long, and it will not necessarily strengthen his ability to wait or to be patience. Now, what's interesting, what I want you to get a hold of here is that this isn't something that's practiced because if I'm being told no, 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 what flows through you sticks to you. So I can be told no. I, I, can, even, I can even sit down and try to focus on God or try to focus, I mean, just work really hard at it and make almost zero progress. 
Because if it's just an exercise in impatience, I actually won't get better. Now, what's important is the faith piece. And frankly, to build the faith piece, I think one of the most powerful things goes back to something I've talked about in earlier layers, but is the idea of surrender. I've got to get to that point where I understand that God is a father. His plans for me are better than me. He understands me better than I understand me. And my busyness, my craziness is just adding to the problems. So I don't just wait. I've got to wait patiently. And the only way I know to wait patiently is to begin to understand some of that character and nature of God. I recall you saying something in class today about at that moment, you need to shut up. <laughs> I would say that. <laughs> I believe that was you. Uh, that could be. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting. When you were talking about that, no, 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 was a stage that a child goes through. Uh, when coming out of infancy, that they learn to speak, and, and one of the words they use most is no, over and over and over again. Well, where did they learn that word? They were told no, a lot. <laughs> there you go. So, so that should point out that what we are giving out, putting out, is going to be what they eventually put out. So if you can, you can help a child to learn to stop and, and learn not to rush in, but to take a look at it, you're actually encouraging development that you would like to see, and you're doing it in a way that's positive. And, and in the end of uh, being able to do that in a way that honors God and puts God's uh, choices and direction first, uh, that's got to be a, a positive thing lifelong. People a lot of times believe that, wow, if I just impress this discipline, if I really come in and I get this child going in this direction, I'll get this outcome. I'll get an ability to focus. But I believe the ability to focus, Hebrews eleven six, those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who, here's the key word, diligently seek him. When I understand that there's steps to take, I understand the time process, I slow it down. For me, fasting is like that. One of the things that I found out with fasting is I'm not a guy who usually gets quick rewards from fasting. It comes a day later, two days later, three days later, all of a sudden I'm, I'm realizing it's like, whoa, I have a higher level of intimacy with God. When I first started working with fasting, it wasn't working because I was expecting to have this good experience with God, and it didn't work. When I first started with this focus and quieting and et cetera, same thing happened. I'd come expecting to hear from something from God, and I was going to get something good. And what I found with my Sabbath days, when I learned to quiet down and rest, with my fasting, with my quiet time before God, I started finding out I don't get any immediate reward out of that. In fact, it's just this incredible time of frustration. And my wife doesn't like it when I take my Sabbath days the way I should because I'm not necessarily pleasant. But here's what I find. If I do that act of obedience, a day later, invariably, I'm like, whoa, thank God I obeyed yesterday. So those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Every one of those experiences that I have 
starts to teach me that it's not immediate gratification, it's delayed gratification, it's delayed reward. And the people who learn delayed reward are going to be much more consistent over a period of time. Well, when I start believing, now I can focus because, oh, no reward right now. Mm, Still no reward right now. Still no reward right now. But I go back and I recall, I remember those times and it's like, oh, it's delayed gratification. I can maintain my diligence. I can maintain my consistency. I can hold steady because I believe in the reward. You're starting a lingo for me here today. Uh, we talked about place to start is, is to uh, wait. Uh, the place to slow down is to go on a fast. <laughs> go on a fast. Hey, now you're cheating there. I mean, the word fast has two different definitions well, of fast. Well, th- th- that's true of so many words, and it, it isn't that the definition, it's how you use it. So, and, and that's what you're describing is that by, by slowing down, by focusing on God in a fast, uh, it will accelerate the progress that you make. It is humorous that the things you do in a fast are slow. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the contradiction of language, that one is kind of funny, but yeah. I mean, fasting is a denial of self. It's a slowing down. Those are all true points. Paying attention. And so for me to move forward, for me to to drink in what I need to drink in, I actually go through a period where it feels like I'm drinking in nothing from God. At least that's been my experience. But it's an act of obedience that I walk through Again, back to the covering stage, the no-no stage. I walk through that covering stage. I I learn to respond to something outside of myself, and I know that this is what God says to do. So even though I'm not getting a reward, I expect a delayed reward, a delayed gratification. Now I can focus. Interesting process. It just... uh, just, uh, You've drawn me in. With, with recognizing it as step-by-step step. And, and the importance of, of getting a, as much as you're able to process uh, in, in that journey. And, but the realization needs to be there that you're not going to get it all and that it is a continuous, continual process that I dare say that, in my mind at least, will never end. Because uh, we have a great God, and, and we believe that we're going to be with him in a literal sense, uh, uh, and that we will always be growing, because the nearness of, of the object of our adoration will, will cause us that. And, and, it, and it works that way here, too. The closer we are, and, and the more we seek, uh, the greater the 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 reward is going to be that we're going to find things that we can't even imagine. We have limited spiritual growth to memorizing scripture, to understanding a set of ideas, to studying books. And again, all of that is good. I probably wouldn't be able to teach this if I hadn't done those things. So they're foundational. That is very foundational. It's very essential. But almost everything we're talking about here is outside of the intellectual realm. It's a step-by-step 
Spiritual development and the power to focus is one of the most powerful tools you'll ever develop if you want to grow up spiritually, become the man of God that he wants you to be, to be the woman of God that he wants you to be. Focus is a powerful tool. Get a hold of it. Learn to wait on God. Listen to God. Draw his life in. It'll change your life. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.